0: School each Sunday night. I'd watch the practice with none of my friends.
1: Big Leo.
2: Whole joke in my head, tried to consolidate it to, uh, to a smaller joke, and uh, it didn't really work out for me.
0: And with that, welcome to the <laughs> Out of Practice podcast, working our way episode by episode through David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we are up to season three, episode sixteen, End Games, which, of course, is not the end of the season nor the end of this uh, of this season. But Keith, for did once, did I just say the same thing over again? You I said did. it is not the end of the season, and also not the end of this season, but it might be the end of my brain. I, for once, was the better podcast. Oh,
2: because I thought to myself, "End game, end games, end game, end games." Plural, I believe. Yes. Okay. As we know, in today's current pop culture climate, is a very final episode title structure. Endgame for us is a multi-billion dollar uh, Marvel movie. That's right. So I thought to myself, when exactly is Sweeps Week? I do a I'm, I co-chair on a podcast about television. I should know when Sweeps Weeks is, right? Well, back when Sweeps Weeks was like a thing. Right. Now, it's... you're lucky if you get more than three episodes of a television show.
0: Well, and also it's so diffuse. I mean, but back in the 90s, Sweeps was a big deal. So I ask
2: you, Back in the 90s, before I tell you the information, when was Sweeps Week? And Uh, I guess we should talk about what Sweeps Week really is. Why don't you you take that one?
0: All right. Well, Sweeps Weeks was the week that they would uh, calculate the ratings in some sort of more... I mean, they, they did the ratings every week normally, but I guess Sweeps was a bigger picture ratings where they would, you know, all the networks against each other and the shows against them. So all of the networks, at that point there was only four, would put crazy, huge, exciting episodes happening during sweeps to try to get their ratings higher.
2: Yeah, that's the long and short of it. It turns out what I didn't know, and I guess it makes sense because you think about it, there were actually, back in the 90s, four sweeps weeks.
0: Yeah, because isn't it like November, and then March, and then something, something? Ooh, not bad.
2: November was one. They always ran between three and four weeks. Now, not every episode of the show would be like super targeted at that time. Uh, the r- showrunners would decide which of those weeks during that period they wanted to really go balls out. Right. Uh, but they ran basically three to four weeks in November, July, May, and... February. Oh. So, we have been in, and this week will close Sweeps Week. So, this is the final week of Sweeps Weeks for February, 1999, and thus, end games.
0: And might explain why we've had uh, fisticuffs in the office on multiple occasions.
2: Yeah, so last week when we were sort of out of nowhere, there was a giant office melee that was flipped and turned into a comedic beat. Now is a little bit more, I don't want to say it's sensical, but it's a little less nonsensical.
0: (laughs) Well, it's sensical in the real world, just not in the world of the practice, which it fully devolved into a bench-clearing hockey brawl, which is one of my favorite things in the world.
2: Now, I'm going to throw a quick teaser out. Okay. Sensical reminds me a little bit of Susical the musical, which... This happened, uh, one of my favorite stories took place in, let's see, it would have been maybe March, March of 2001. So we should still be, that should still be, we should still be rolling this podcast when we get to that period of time, right? The practice was still airing. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, baby, do I have a story for you then? It involves me- About Seussical? It involves me, Seussical the Musical, and pop star Aaron Carter.
0: Ah, I- I'm excited to hear this. Yeah, but that's years from now. <laughs> that's literally years from now. All right. Well, I mean, look, there's all sorts of exciting things coming up. Yeah, 2001 is... This is 99. It'll be season 6? No, 5.
2: Yeah, well, stay tuned for our really funny 9-11 retrospective oh yeah (laughs) but the total inconsistency of our podcast really is is a trademark feature
0: look we've got 9-11 coming up but don't worry we'll make it cheerier with your dad's illness
2: oh maybe we should counterpoint with some in-depth listener discussion of uh religious studies today
0: Oh, we are going to! I'm excited. We have, we have a, a jam packed episode, which it doesn't sound like it based on you know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but we actually have a whole ton of. Filings, it's Filings, it's Filings, it's well, first off, we have something. A very important, unprecedented, I'd say, we have our first founding supporter.
2: Oh my god, we I can't even believe I
0: didn't mention it earlier. We have our first person supporting us on Anchor.fm. And that is our good friend Leanne Wrights, friend of the pod, member of the jury, and now one of our founding supporters. We need to come up with a a title and a jingle for our supporters
2: we do and a, is there a cool like she called us her internet dads is there a cool thing we can call her without sounding like leches predators no okay so i'll leave it there <laughs> grandpa <laughs> no <Yeah. laughs> don't even try don't try to oh i bought um security cameras for my apartment and immediately decided that I want no part of security
0: cameras in my apartment. Yeah, I don't even know what you were thinking for you know for a guy with as much to hide. It is really.
2: <laughs> oh man, I can't
0: afford another microphone. Don't make me spit coffee all over it. <laughs> oh, that was great. You literally spit took. Uh, oh boy, uh, that is amazing. All right. Well,
2: thank uh, in, in sincerity, we should thank you, Leanne Wrights, our Leanne first writes, founding sponsor. Founding,
0: founding sponsor. Yeah, we will come up with a title. We will come up with a jingle, and uh, we will do that. Leanne Wrights also writes uh, on Instagram. Did you see Jimmy the Grunt in the trailer for the Big Lebowski spinoff? I have
2: not. Should we Should we watch it?
0: I think. Well, mm. we no. The buffer no.
2: really, really could bring the
0: episode down. I don't trust your technology <laughs> to do that. Uh, but yeah, no, we totally saw. Uh, I looked it up. Michael Batiluco, Yeah, it is It is offensive how good Michael Badaluco looks. He has not aged a day. It's been 20-something years. He's got a little gray around the temples. But other than that, he's exactly the same.
2: Keith, I know you love a loose rhyme, so could we say that he went from grunt to hunk?
0: He went from grunt to grunk, maybe. Crunk? Crunk. Grunk. Like Like Gronkowski. Uh, Brain damaged? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Touche. Hashtag... (laughs) Hashtag, I'm going to smash your Lego statue.
2: Uh, My Lego statue?
0: Did you see that on the, uh, on the oh, New Year's yeah. Eve yeah, broadcast? Yeah, yeah. uh, uh, What's his nuts. Smashed it, it, his...
2: It, when you have to explain the joke, it's too far gone.
0: Uh, uh, now is the time where it's too far gone? <laughs> we're going to start... This is what we're going to declare too far gone. You're right. Oh, my God. All right. Also... Uh, we heard from a new friend, I think, uh, Sassy Cop 5 on Instagram, uh, wrote about last episode and the fisticuffs at the end we mentioned earlier, said, I love this episode. My favorite part is the fight between Lindsay and Eleanor. The restaurant guy saying <laughs> they had a big morale problem was awesome. Agreed. Yeah, that was hilarious. Uh, thanks, Sassy Cop 5 now, things uh,
2: when we started this podcast, I thought I would never hear you say. First on that list, thanks, Sassy Cop 5.
0: Well, I mean, that's that's not that abnormal. All right. Uh. So, <laughs> we also teased this last week. Now, uh, stop, if you Stop, m- stop, stop.
2: I'm going to do an insert. I'm going to do an insert, but then not go back and edit the insert where it should go. I'm just going to do it out of time. Oh. (laughs) If you would like to donate to the Out of Practice podcast and join Leanne Wrights as a founding sponsor, there's two ways you can do that. In the show notes of every episode, you'll see two links at the bottom. The link number one says support us. And you click that, you go to a paypal.me page, or you could type into your browser paypal.me slash oopsie-o-o-p-p-s-y, and you can donate any number of dollars to the Out of Practice podcast. Any amount of dollars helps us. Or, under that, you'll see another link that says support this podcast, and that will take you to a page that is anchor.fm slash Podcast. And you can become a monthly supporter, which is what our dear dear friend and some would say partner in the firm Leanne writes that's what it is Keith she's she joint she gets on the door. If you are a founding supporter, a monthly supporter, you get your name on the she, door. She bought
0: into the firm yeah she's, a yeah she's a she's a partner. All right does that mean now she takes on our liabilities? No, but we do we will misspell her name when we put her into
2: our salary schedule. Yeah, And and she finds out that she's making a lot less money than us.
0: Yeah, well, hey, look, we don't all live on easy stream.
2: (laughs) That was another hit on our Instagram this week, Keith. Well done.
0: Yes, it was. All right. Well, you don't like continuity of episodes, but you do like money. So, uh, by all means, uh, support us. Now, going back to what I was saying, two episodes ago... In our uh this day in the basement stories, we both talked about uh, various interactions we'd had w- being rejected by people of faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, a good f- our good friend, Richard Templeman, sent us a fascinating voicemail about a similar topic. Now, uh, just to fill in, I was talking about, A long conversation I had with my Mormon friend about watching Star Trek First Contact. Why do I always forget the name of the show? Uh, Star Trek First Contact and whether it was morally acceptable to watch a PG-13 movie. Now, our good friend Richard wrote in. He has a lot to say on the subject, so stick around. Let's hear what he says.
3: Hello, Keith and Mike. Thank you for holding me accountable so I can discuss the things that I had thoughts We're all on. about accountability here. This is Richard, by the way. And I was raised Mormon, so I have a similar experience. Not really, but when it comes to Star Trek First Contact, my dad and I were going to go, and I wanted to invite one of my guy friends, and his mom was like, I need to know the 411. Why is it rated PG-13? And so... We were like, it says online, you know, because the internet was pretty crazy back then. Uh, violence? And the mom was like, okay, violence is better than sex. I guess we can let him go. Which is go. an odd distinction, so but yeah, I didn't have as much pushback. I, want, when it I came wanted to make to a point of to that not too. Seeing first contact. But I guess your friend's family had different higher standards which is
0: yeah they were pretty understandable,
3: hardcore. which is why I wanted to shed some light because I was raised Mormon and in the LDS church. they do talk about good friends, everyone needs good friends. I think you were a good friend and I also they Did you hear that Keith, they teach us to I tried to be be every member a missionary so when you're with your non-member friends, you know you need to be a light a shining light to help them and lead them to the church etc we both et cetera, had that experience etc we discussed yes. but it also hurts like i don't think the lds church knows or the members know how much they hurt other people by having that as a high standard mm. and perhaps she had feelings for you and perhaps she wanted to make sure she surrounded herself with a good mormon influence and it hurt her too, I'm sure, but I, when it comes to religion, like dictating who your friends are, it's kind of controlling, and I don't mean to judge, but I was raised in the church, so I feel like I do have a unique perspective having been raised in it and having done that, and now realizing that, oh, there's some friends that I might have turned away along the years that were precious and good. So that's all I wanted to say. I'm glad you guys didn't shy away from the topic of religion and the discussion. But I love the podcast. As you can tell, I'm an avid listener and a big fan of The Practice, the original show, and Boston Legal, etc., Ally McBeal, The Kathy Bates Show. Um, Harry's that Law. was David E. Kelly. He gets there. Harry's Law. That was ah. it. I had to think about it. Anyhow, great great year of a podcast. Congratulations. We'll see you later. Thanks, Richard. I think I owe you guys a beer. Oh, yes, you do. Indeed. Yeah, thank you so much for that. I think that's
0: super fascinating, and I... A, the serendipity Mm. of one of our friends on the show having had the same discussion about the same movie for the same reason uh... 21 years ago, I think it's absolutely fascinating. And I also think you make a really good point about those restrictions being painful for both sides, Mm -hmm. because I've fixated so much about this experience and similar experiences about how painful it was for me. And I, I really appreciate being reminded that it was probably also really painful for her. So, um, you know, thank you so much for that.
2: not to, really get over into this, but... No, let's get over into it. It's interesting because religion and morality is one of those things that as an adult, you are constantly re-exploring and redefining for yourself. Yeah. And because there's such nuanced subjects that affect you on such a deep personal and spiritual level, and yet... When your children coming up in a church or coming up in a in a belief system, and this is not putting any religion or any parents on blast because parents are just doing most parents are just doing the best they can. We're we're given this information, not you're never asked to question these things. It's not yeah. you know what you know it. It's it's a lot of telling and a lot of of learning and in fact experience we had together, Keith, Keith and I met uh, touring a musical theater show. And we happen to have the, uh, quote unquote, privilege of being tailed by the, uh, what's the name of that group? The Fred Phelps group.
0: Oh right, I forgot about that. Yeah, the Topeka, Kansas, uh, ba- Topeka Baptist something something.
2: Yeah, it's the, the it's the it's the quote unquote religious sect that goes around and and pickets the funerals the- of. They're monsters. They're monsters, and but who are not monsters are the three to five year old children who are holding up these signs, these very hateful signs. I won't even give the speech on on online. But you know that those kids, those kids, that hate isn't. No, they weren't born with that hate. It's just taught. And I'm not. I'm not. Equating religions here. I'm, re- I'm
0: not trying to dig. No, the hole. no, no, no. I, I don't think any self respecting religion would want anything to do with Yeah, those but my, p- my point is group, that
2: as yeah. children, as children, even, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old or, or older, you're, you're, these beliefs that you're taught as children stick. And the questioning that could and probably should be done at that young age while you're learning these things, where you start to parse out what you your you're, you're beliefs and morals are happens later in life when i think that teaching maybe could be done a little bit earlier this is my feeling uh, on religion
0: no absolutely and i think it extends beyond that i mean i'm about to turn 40 mm-hmm. and uh i'm still working through think- uh, my f- my own family's moralities and rights and wrongs and interests and others inter- that were not religious based at all and yet it's really the same discussion mm-hmm. you know and it's and having to rethink and redefine and make my own choices even if i end up agreeing and you know whilst we're
2: not lobbying for or against religion as a whole I, well, let's i'm going to i'm going to circle us back right here what ends up happening when these nuanced uh, figuring out parsings uh, don't take place is people begin to hide behind belief systems and the the need to justify your actions right is lessened Case in point. Bobby was in a sticky situation with that dead baby. It's a really he's in a really tight spot, didn't know how what the best way to react was, even though on the surface, legally, Eugene was right. We either walk the fuck away or we right. call the police. But Bobby used his religion or his beliefs, whatever system structure that is, and and just said, as long as we get this kid a funeral, all of the other moral decisions you've made up to this point don't matter. He hid behind it. And that, you know, I think we've stated in our opinion on the show, was a problem. Is still a problem. I have a huge problem with how that went down.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's... I, I think what we all learn is that there are just shades of gray in everything. And just life is just more difficult and more complicated than we ever then it's taught to us because like uh, when we're taught as children we are not taught that things are complicated we are not taught that things are both good and bad at the same time mm-hmm. that there are that there is you know and i know that relativism is a sort of a hot topic but it really is complex all right well thank you again uh richard uh please hop in anytime you want It is now. Keith, someone someone else wanted to write us a a voice, leave us a voicemail. How would they do that? Well, they could email it. Sorry. What the
2: hell was that? Oh, you can't place that right? It was very loud. I'm going to take it down. Uh, That was terribly, terribly loud. I was going to underscore your thing with Billy Joel's Shades of Grey. oh, oh.
0: It needs
1: to be down
0: like 3% of that. There we go. Okay. If you would like... Jesus, we're terrible today. It's very bad today. (laughs) Just today, though. All the other times, it's been great. (laughs) Uh, You could email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social medias at outofpracticepodcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can leave a comment on our blog, outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. And uh, you can also, I think, send us a message to anchor.fm. Yeah, there's something you can do in the app. Neither of us
2: really knows how to work that.
0: No, because we're old, as have mentioned, have we, we've mentioned earlier. All right, we have one more thing to do before we get to this day in the basement, and that is... Mr. Foreman, the jury has reached its verdict.
4: Madam Foreperson, has
0: the jury reached a verdict? Welcome to the jury! What say you? We have a new jury member! Our new jury member is Hello and No, who says, Excellent! I love this show, always keeps me interested, and always look forward to new episodes. Signed, Tabby... From your new best friend's podcast.
1: Hmm. Who
0: is indeed our new best friend and our newest jury member. I actually downloaded and listened to one of the podcasts. Uh, which was really fascinating. It's a, it's literally just these two friends taking questions from the audience and discussing stuff. Uh, but it's really interesting. They're very funny, very smart people. So thank you, Tabby. And uh, yeah, check out... Your New Best Friends podcast, and welcome to the jury. Welcome, welcome.
2: I will check that podcast out this week. We love to share and share alike. Thanks for helping our numbers grow, uh, as slow as that might be.
0: Hey, we're growing. I mean... Oh, I'm we're growing, not growing right this- now, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, no. It is time to talk about... This Day in the Basement, because I have the thing... The wheels, into something else. the wheels are so... There's no wheels left. We're jacked up oh. on cinder blocks. We... Oh, my God. What a mess. What's wrong with that? We have no excuse. It's Sunday. It's Sunday. Uh, well, because there's no football. We're sad because of the no football. Mm-hmm. That's it. All right. So we are going to be hopping back into the time machine and talking about February 28th, 1999. So uh, what were you doing?
2: I'll keep it short, I'll keep it brief. I've mentioned on a couple of times that my brother was uh, setting a cool precedent. This was a period of our lives where I had, this is before I decided to move to New York and pursue uh, the creative arts. And my brother was leading the spirit of dream discovery right here. He had just graduated from Penn State University Where he he was the Nittany Lion. He was the Nittany Lion, and he was teaching elementary school somewhere. I can't remember where he had a job. I think he was student teaching in State College and was commuting the three-plus, almost four hours from State College to Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. How they say it there is Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. It's near Allentown slash Redding, way, way west Pennsylvania, it was just a very long drive so that he could live out his childhood dream of becoming a professional wrestler. He was taught by Afa and Sika, who back in the 80s, if you're a kid of the 80s like we are, uh, they were the wild Samoans. They acted like wild savages. They were a tag team in the WWF. Well, they started a wrestling school. My brother became close family friends with them, learned to, to wrestle, and ultimately became a trainer and actually taught Dave Batista as we know from the Marvel Cinematic University, to be a wrestler. And at this point, there was a big... The the, the promotion was called WXW. It's on YouTube. You can find it. And there was a 1999 cruiserweight title tournament. And the finals were were today, February 28th, 1999. And my brother became... He achieved his dream. Now, it's scripted, but you have to kind of earn respect and whatnot. Anyway, became became the cruiserweight champion of the WWX, like, minor leagues of WWE, and, uh, like, achieved his dream. He became a wrestler and became a champion. It was pretty pretty cool. My Me, my dad, my whole family was there.
0: That's amazing. Do you have
2: any pictures? I have a video. I have whole videos of it, yeah. All right. Well, we got to put a clip of that on Instagram. We will, yeah. I'll, I'll take a clip of it, and uh, we'll put it on Instagram this week.
0: Okay. How exciting. All right. Well, uh, boy, we are really clocking along. So... My This Day in the Basement, because uh, last episode we were talking about the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, which had just recently happened here in 1999, as well as today. And I was writing a song about the Super Bowl, which is not from Elway, of course, which you all know about by now. This was 19-year-old me expressing my thoughts about the day of the Super Bowl. Oh, God. Please enjoy. Maybe not. Maybe you won't be enjoying it. Why are we not enjoying it? Oh wait, I've got it muted. Hold on. Shit show. So, that is what I was up to at that point. It's quite the intro, Keith. I'm an I'm an intro guy. I'm an you know I, I got time. You know I'm like 19. I got all the time in the world. Let me just you, you, throw an intro got, in there. He's got
2: time and feelings. i got... <laughs> <laughs> That's your autobiography. Time and feelings. <laughs> the I'm Keith feeling Varney like...
0: story. <laughs> it oh god, I, now I just have feelings. It, it, sometimes. <laughs> I have feelings and I have regrets about the time I don't have. (laughs) Those are my feelings.
2: Yeah, I hear you. All right, so uh, what's the basic scoop? What do we do on this podcast other than talk about ourselves for 45 minutes?
0: (laughs) What is the purpose of a podcast if not to talk about yourself? It is an exercise in long-form narcissism. Why else have a podcast? All right. Well, we're going to uh, hop back in the time machine and talk more about February 28th, 1999. The top song continued to be... the first. That's the wrong song, but it was still Monica. It was Angel of Mind by Monica, but I was really happy to get back and do some more First Night. You know, you threw me off. We were going to go at noon. <laughs> and so then that, that half hour really, really threw everything into a wrench. Yes, I Wait, had an hour Into a wrench? Of, I, <laughs> I had at least a half hour of preparation to do. And when you had to push back by half hour, I had done none of that preparation. And then when you pushed back, I'm like, I've got all the time in the world. Mm. And then I just never did it at all. So I was destined to fail in every possible way today. So, this is your formal apology. If any of the jury members would like to strike some stars, <laughs> I understand. Alright. The local paper, the Burlington Free Press, the title was A Small Town Survives. Which small town? And from what? No idea, because I didn't pay for the uh, the paper <laughs> and, I, and so I couldn't see the sub-headline. So, Congratulations, small town, for surviving from something.
2: That's very on brand for us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The top movie was 8mm. The Nicolas Cage, uh, James Gandolfini film, which is, it's a dark piece of uh, cinema, but I find it very entertaining. Don't know that I've ever watched it. It's about a detective played by, or a uh, personal detective, played by Nicolas Cage, tracking down... The Constitution. Yes, he's stealing the Constitution. No, he is tracking down a snuff film on 8mm, trying to figure out whether it's real or not. Hmm. Sounds like something Jimmy Berluti would be up to. (laughs) No, it's much, much darker than what was... Yeah, I, you know, the two women together, it's very sensuous. Oh, no, boy. <laughs> what's it was experience? vigorous, vigorous. <laughs> well, no, that's what it was with Lindsay. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, my God. All right. And it takes us now to this day in... Oh, God, what's wrong with me? Sports ball! Sports <laughs> ball! Dimitri, Chris Stitch, Anson Carter, and Jason Allison led the Brew- Boston Bruins to a three victory over the Washington Capitals. The Philadelphia Flyers lost a 6-5 game despite goals from John LeClair, Keith Jones, and Eric Lindros. Rod Brindamore picked up an assist. Peter Nedved had a hat trick for the Rangers.
2: Oh, God, now we're talking about hockey. Then you know where <coughs> things are going a certain way.
0: <laughs> and, unfortunately, that means it's time for... Weather. Weather. Hell yeah.
2: Cloud Lover, this is for you buddy. There it is. He brought it back from the dead. She brought it back from the
0: dead. You know, uh, 69 some clouds. I mean like the fog and the clouds. Mix mix it. Mix Oh my god, what is wrong with me? Years ago. You know the groundhog
2: must have saw seen his shadow Keith because or not seen his shadow whatever means spring is coming because it got all the way up to 48 degrees Fahrenheit here in Astoria, New York on February 28, 1999 with a smattering of showers, but it did go back down to 37 degrees overnight. So we're still seasonably warm. Yeah, that's your weather. Oh? Okay. (laughs) What a stupid waste of time. But I'm going to keep doing
0: it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, This whole thing is such a waste of time. There's literally nobody listening anymore. That's not true. It is definitely... There's nobody... It it is literally just you and me sitting on a beautiful Sunday in front of microphones indulging in our narcissism.
2: Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: All right. Well... But now let's deal with somebody else's narcissism. We're going to talk about this episode, which was written by David E. Kelly and directed with first-time director Keith Samples, who directed Oz, Felicity, Mr. D., Part of Party of Five, and Reba. Which means there's only one more thing to ask before we actually do the real episode, and that is...
5: that's supposed to
6: be. What's your problem?
5: Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What does
2: Mike think's gonna happen? So it's the end of sweet. Yeah, what week. if he would have drank the kool oh milk, You did it this time. It's the end you of sweet. You made the sweep. bumper. And I imagine we're going to tie up some loose ends as end game makes us think we're going to like bring our some some ongoing plot threads to conclusion. So the previously on discusses three things. We've got the big fight from last week where Eleanor and Lindsay get into a physical tussle over money because we we talked about the Eleanor being pissed off about the discrepancies in pay. Mhm. It also brings back up uh, our favorite psycho judge Holland Taylor who uh, if you recall was getting the hots for Bobby and we thought she just had a crush, but then she was slicing out the eyes of Lindsay in like a paparazzi picture. So she went a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, Cocoa Puffs. Cocoa and,
0: pup, pucks. That seems like hard on your teeth. And it also brought
2: up uh, Eleanor's case from a, a week or two ago where she had that druggy client who she said was her first client who she really cared about. And she got him off his drug charge. He was the guy who passed right. out and he had drugs on his stomach. And he, ba- she basically told him at the end, none of this is worth anything unless you get off the drugs. Right. So my guess would be that we're going to bring all three of those things somehow will culminate into a case together this week, which is an easy prediction to make. However, Keith, I'm exceedingly, exceedingly exciting, excited because I can't speak. <laughs> Because uh, I bring up the cast list only so that I can correctly say people's names. And I had to double check and then I triple checked that it's the right episode because I see the old face, spoiler alert, of Michael Monks, our old friend George Vogelman, from the head in a bag case, and I think to myself, what the hell is that about?
0: Well, technically the decapitated head is loose. And it is the end of the corpse. Yeah, well, there you go. They didn't mention it in the previously on.
2: Perhaps it's supposed to be a shocking twist, but since it sweeps weeks, I'm going to say that George is back. We have two, and maybe he's the bad guy after all? Could it be that after all this, George is is a bad guy? It makes me think we're going to have him on one side, we're going to have Judge... Uh, holland taylor Kittleson Kittleson on the other side being crazy all all hell is gonna break loose this episode all i know keith is that whatever happens this week here's my prediction is going to be crazier than bobby hanging that dude out the window
0: okay that we're gonna top it somehow okay well that's what mike thinks gonna happen now let's waste more of your time with an ad I say that was time well spent. <laughs> the last 43 minutes of your life, you will never get back. But you know what's better time spent?
2: The Practice. Season 3, Episode 16, End Games.
7: I had a really good time last night.
6: Me too. So, do you want to come to the game tonight? Tonight?
8: Uh, yeah.
9: Cool. So, I'll call you this afternoon. <laughs> ah! Okay. <laughs> so Between what and we're and then, seeing is
0: you are the <laughs> our basketball boy. player, our Celtic, has arrived, and Lucy has to get up on a chair to kiss him. And they are kissing. They sure are, and Jimmy is enjoying it. I think we should already start with... Giant basketball
2: player! Celtic who Lucy make-a-make-a-make-a-happy.
0: Yes, indeed. This basketball player is played by Kurt Ranta. And this is his only acting appearance in his entire life. But he did play college basketball for Portland. And he is listed as 6'10". Damn. That's it. That's all I got on him. He's tall. Lucy is dressed
2: appropriately for work today.
9: What? Eleanor. Leonard? I think I'm in trouble. Hold it! Let's see move! That's don't move. It right
0: oh my god. So her druggy client just burst into the room and threw drugs at Eleanor. Who she put it on her neck.
6: What the hell is going on? Hey, stay back! Hands up!
5: What is this? This is not
2: stay the first time a client has literally sprinted Nothing. to his lawyer's
0: office. What's that? With the cops chasing him. I don't them. know. How'd it get there? I don't know. This your desk? This is your desk, ma'am. I don't know. Yes. You
4: don't know how it got there. No. Please place your hands behind your back. What for? You off? have the right to remain oh, silent. Come on, you have My rights? You have the right to an attorney. Yeah, I know my rights. Is this a joke? How did these drugs get here, ma'am?
5: I don't know.
4: Cuff them both.
6: You, sir, have the right to remain silent. I will meet you at the arraignment. Obviously, don't say anything. Leonard, that goes for you too. Don't say a word.
0: <laughs> Leonard is played by Clay Wilcox again. So another one of our firm has been arrested.
7: That woman is hit up bad. Just another patch. spreadsheet
0: for Keith to update. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right, so we add to Eleanor's rap sheet a uh, possession of drugs. Because she protected her client and did as she should have. And uh Because the cops did not see him throw the drugs at her, they do not have a chain of custody on said drugs. So, well done, Eleanor, and badly done. Good hands. Good hands. No, she, well, you know what she did? She alley-ooped. He alley-ooped the drugs to Eleanor, who dunked it onto her desk Mm -hmm. because it's a basketball-themed teaser. Now what's going to happen? Oh they're sweeping Jimmy the Jake office. Eleanor,
6: Rebecca, Leonard, Jimmy, jump in. Bobby, we might be witnesses. We can't represent. What'd you, you. see? Oh, I didn't see anything. Beck, anybody see Leonard drop the stuff in Eleanor's desk? Nobody? I think I'm
10: well, all all looking us. at the door. Leonard came running in first and the
7: police were right behind him. Hey, get your nose out of there. Ma'am. Ma'am, you, you can't search that desk.
11: We've made an arrest.
7: You can only search the suspect's desk. That's
11: it. anything subject you, to the Rebecca-t- suspect's control. Thank you, Rebecca. Hey, hey, hey.
2: John.
0: Oh shit. Where'd that come from? Bottom drew under some files. Is it a knife?
3: Looks like there's some dry blood on it. Let me see.
0: Counsel. He just... they just pulled a bloody knife out of Eleanor's up. desk. Oh, and Holland Taylor's there. God and Holland Taylor just walked in. Holy her? shit. Lucy. Bobby? Your Honor.
8: What's going on? One of our lawyers just got arrested. Lucy. Lucy. <laughs> uh could we talk? In private? Uh
6: can't say maybe it hasn't be sure. been action packed um, my office uh, lucy okay eugene back get going take lindsay
10: i'd rather take that case
6: never mind what never mind lindsay go with eugene get Helen. maybe she could help with eleanor
0: this morning has What's gotten up? very complicated very quickly well, yeah i know we thought we were having a shitty episode i'm not going
8: to believe it when i tell you <laughs> actually you might considering bobby's um, tie is Fucking enormous. Yesterday afternoon, I was served with a complaint against me, filed under seal, by one of my former law clerks. He's claiming sexual harassment.
2: No.
1: Oh, what? what?
2: (laughs) If Keith had a nickel. The
8: claim is baseless. Nevertheless, I have. For every time Judge Kittleson harassed somebody. That's why I'm here. To hire
6: you you want to hire me to defend you in a sexual harassment case don't you think that's a little strange why Yes. you're an
8: excellent attorney
6: who you've had erotic dreams about
8: oh please if i had a dime for every erotic dream i'd ever had forget it
2: oh is that your deposition i could write for david e kelly
8: look you sure could if you choose not to represent me that's fine but i don't think you need be discourteous i'm sorry to have bothered you why would you want to hire me sexual
6: harassment isn't my specialty Though it would be a good way to disqualify... It sure is in my dreams, Bobby. ...should I ever be called to testify?
8: (laughs) And why would you be called as a witness? Nobody knows what happened between us. Unless you told someone. I certainly didn't. Whoa, that sounds threatening. (laughs) Sure does. Nothing
6: happened between you and me.
8: So then this hostility just comes out whenever anybody tries to engage your services.
6: Well, let's just say I have a hard time believing you're totally...
2: So... Because we have the subtext and the back information of what happened that Bobby's unaware of, you can see uh, we're about 649 into the episode. Some really excellent acting by Holland Taylor. As they're having this sort yeah. of verbal tete-a-tete, she's taking extra special... Uh, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Care? Yeah, To but... We can see the subtext in her performance that she's really enjoying it on a sort of, let's say, sexual slash erotic level. You know what
0: I mean? Well, clearly she loves the power dynamics. Yeah. It's a really good scene. Really good scene. Very, very well written. I'm so glad we could talk over it. Innocent.
8: (laughs) Let's just say I have a hard time believing you only represent the totally innocent.
6: Let's assume, for the sake of argument, that I do.
8: I am innocent. I had an affair with the boy. The truth is, I think he still has a thing for me. After he finished as my law clerk, he asked me to write him a letter of recommendation. I did. Wasn't glowing enough in his eyes. He's retaliating. Wait, isn't that by definition
2: not innocent?
0: Having an affair with a subordinate? Yeah. And then writing yeah. him a recommendation? Yeah, yeah, that's, uh... I I think you're you're already off on a wrong foot there, uh, Judge. Okay,
6: which brings me back to
8: why
0: me. Look, if this goes public... I wrote Monica the best letter of recommendation ever.
8: Merits aside, I want somebody vicious enough to make this go away. Who's not afraid to get ugly if he has to. I asked around. Where it is, you're it.
2: She knows we're early in the episodes, so she's keeping a lid on the crazy, but we all know it's underneath, she's up first, which makes make it be even better. Second.
7: We have to get him independent counsel. So, so fun. fun. All rise. I left word.
2: I, I'm feeling oh, good about my no. prediction of all the wheels falling Judge off Whackadoo.
0: here. Just what we need. Be seated. All right, before Judge Wackadoo gets going, we need to talk about... Wackadoo! Judge, judge Wackadoo, who is about to give a remarkable performance, is played by Paul Dooley, who has two Emmy nominations, including for this show. He was in Hairspray, Popeye, 16 Candles. He voices Sarge in the Cars series. He's also won Curb Your Enthusiasm Death Wish, the original Death Wish. And he plays Tane on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. What a great role. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. The line must be drawn. Paul Dooley. Dooley noted.
10: Commonwealth versus Eleanor Frutt, possession of control, substance. Eugene
12: Young for the defendant, wave reading your honor. I move to dismiss this right now.
13: On what grounds?
12: Miss Frutt's a lawyer. Uh, she represents a man who charges. On the grounds into of a giant collar. What the hell?
10: Your Honor, I work with Mr. Young.
13: Hurry up!
12: What are you doing?
10: Technically, we still represent Leonard. You can't be serving up facts that incriminate him, even if they help Eleanor.
0: Uh. <clears throat> it's gonna help the y- Your Honor.
12: Uh, the police charged into our office, chasing a man they believed had drugs in his possession. This man ran to Miss Frutt's desk. The police followed. Suddenly, drugs were discovered on Miss Frutt's desk. They asked her how they got there. She, of course, refused to answer any questions, and they arrested her for having drugs in her possession, and it's bogus.
13: Is that what happened?
5: From what I know, that seems accurate. Out
13: of line. Huh? Out of line.
5: Arresting the lawyer? Your Honor, Ms. Frett was given opportunity to explain how the drugs came into her possession. But if a client
13: dropped them she's there, wandering around. she's not free to say so, is she? I want to know who the officer is. I want to know who said okay to this. this case I don't is think dismissed. I've ever seen a judge stand dismissed. up. Dismissed. We don't go around arresting lawyers. Mm. Mm. Next case, next case, next case.
0: This performance is extra, 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 but I'll allow it,
13: allow it, allow it.
7: Rebecca Washington, representing the defendant, Your Honor. Wave reading. I, too, ask that you dismiss all charges. Why? As the police report stipulates, they didn't find any drugs on my client. They were on Eleanor Frutt's desk.
13: Wait a second, second, second. This is the guy
7: who went running in, so forth, so forth, so forth drugs? Well, there's no evidence of that. The heroin was only found on the desk, never in Mr. Sauer's possession.
13: What do I look like to you? A big dope? Am I a big dope to you? He's got a record as long as my intestine. He's a drug <laughs> addict. Do I look
7: like a dope? You do not look like a dope.
13: You have got a god-awful, scum-sucking, guilty client here. Wow. We all know that. Drug Your
7: addict. Your Honor.
13: Get yourself a jury. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're the dopes. They'll probably let him go. Mm-hmm. Not dismissed. Bound over. <laughs> and no bail either because you got me angry. Mm-hmm. This guy's case. Next killing case.
0: Killing it. Case. <laughs> Give me something good. <laughs> With me I did
5: not sell you out. said so in, in more- open court the drugs were in my possession. I said it for the purpose of Leonard's case. In my possession? Your case was already dismissed, Eleanor. Oh, yes, Lindsay, take her side. I expect nothing less. Hey. This again? Why is she even here? To kick your ass like I did before. Oh, is please. Like, like you haven't right heard
10: me? Jesus, Jesus Christ. What the hell's wrong obvious? with you people? You said something she didn't like. It is clearly my fault. Enough. Eleanor. I've been paging you. Yeah, well, some bad news.
12: Eleanor front. Please place your hands behind your back.
0: Well, oh, it's an all Excuse skate me? today. You're Everybody's in the man. show. Silent, you say, can. Enough with James Moran. Pickens Jr. is What's handcuffing Eleanor. The knife
8: they found in your drawer. Did George Vogelman give it to you? Wait, what? What?
10: It's the weapon used to cut off Susan Robin's head.
1: Whoa!
0: Whoa! Oh, she got played. It's the knife they used to cut off her head in Eleanor's desk. Now, I think we need to, if you go back and look at the knife, and I'll post it on Instagram, it looks like a cheap dollar store kitchen knife, which I imagine would have been pretty difficult to decapitate somebody with.
2: Unless you are vigorously decapitating.
0: Thanks for that. Yeah.
2: Wow. So just to recap, you'll yeah. remember towards the, once he was acquitted, they, there was that wonderful scene between George and Eleanor where he was like, your instincts were good, Eleanor. I was innocent the whole time. I just needed you to believe me, which sort of vindicated herself and her role as a pro, as a, an attorney
0: to Fighting her, so hard for him. To herself.
2: Uh, I, apparently that's going to be shook as hell now.
0: Well, all we know is it's the knife that was used to decapitate that lady. Right. We don't know how it got there, who put it there, or whether he had anything to do with it. Yeah.
2: So do we know if George gave it to her or that was just the speculation that uh Helen had?
0: That is what Helen is speculating that because, well, but they're arresting her yeah, for having the uh, for well, for for concealing evidence. But, like but she we had never, the murder weapon in
2: our continuity of the show we never saw him give her that knife
0: no no we have never seen this knife before okay
2: again oh
6: hold on one at a time they're holding they to again, on eugene she's going to be booked on concealing evidence probably obstruction of justice did she say how the knife got in there well uh, we haven't had a chance to talk to her yet okay first we try to get it kicked in my opinion the search was illegal
7: well incident to an arrest
6: they were after leonard not But they arrested her which got dismissed already Lindsay, bring the motion at the arraignment rebecca you handle leonard eugene go find george vogelman
7: Bobby, we
4: have that lawyer coming in on Kittleson.
0: Lots of what? handheld yeah, quick cuts. Being Looks sued. like NYPD and you took Blue. The
4: case?
2: George cannot be retried, though.
0: He cannot for murder, but he can for all the other subsequent Lindsay, crimes. Mind. Bobby, she... Lindsay...
6: Like concealing evidence Eleanor.
0: and such. Jimmy, I need you to help me here.
6: Do they know it's the murder weapon? It matches the blade. They're testing the blood scrapings. How the hell did it get in her desk?
5: I don't know
0: she's in jail again drawer,
10: under some old files do you even
5: remember the last time you looked down there? how no. So somebody's framing me
2: yeah they've had plenty of parties in that office so those desks plenty are of rife. opportunities
0: and we have seen George in the office socially at the Christmas party Yeah who was he hitting on he was hitting on Helen well there you go or George oh Did and George uh, woman
10: ever have access Was he ever uh, in the office alone? <sighs> It isn't you know, him. The one from the Lindsay. Cosby Show. Can you really know that now?
2: My yes. intern brought me more coffee.
10: <laughs> okay. Thank you. Room is at two, division one. I, I can't imagine they'll set bail, but.
2: Sorry to interrupt, but I, I feel like we should probably thank our wives as as co-founding sponsors since they put up with this bullshit. <laughs>
0: That's true, who uh, just flew back on a red eye from LI from LA performing for Steven Spielberg, then you called her your intern. Mm-hmm.
2: I did. <laughs> I sure did. She pays the rent.
5: I don't believe this is really happening. A guy comes in, he throws heroin at me, and I am suddenly being held for concealing a murder weapon?
0: It's oh! gonna go. Away, Why don't you cry uh, about it, Eleanor. Don't uh, worry. you would be balding like a baby forever.
5: Front is
2: fraught!
10: He's
12: frocked. I'm looking for Dr. George Vogelman. Does he work here?
10: He does, or did. You're about ten minutes too late. Oh, Sorry. Shit. The police just arrested him. Took him
12: away. Same charge: concealment. And he's in custody. Eugene's on his way to see him in lockup. Lindsey talked to Helen. She thinks the police are determined to get him all over again. Is concealment a lesser included? To murder? No
6: way. He's free game. Bobby Donald? Yeah. Fair game is what you're looking for. Uh, thanks for agreeing to come, uh, Jimmy Berluti. Keith,
2: is it me or is the, is the traffic volume really loud in the cans?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a pleasure. As I said, this whole thing has done a little bit more naturalistic this episode. The this, direction, as
6: is Mr. Michaels, he certainly doesn't want to begin his law career as a plaintiff in a sexual harassment this case. Is Paul Vincent O'Connor That's we filed under seal, which I appreciate. Listen, we've been hit with a little emergency, and unfortunately I have to run out. If we could agree to depose the two parties, also under seal, do it right here, get some kind of assessment on the case, we can pick a number and be done. Can she go first? Sure. Six o'clock tonight? Tonight? You could always depose her again if you want. My feeling is if we could flush out some facts quick, I think we can get rid of it. The faster, the better for Why does he look
0: so surprised by everything? Very surprised. I'll see you at six tonight. Great. Jimmy...
6: Sorry to run out.
12: I'm so sorry. Leonard. I never meant to hurt her. Leonard,
7: you need to stop crying and listen to me.
6: (laughs) I love Eleanor.
7: I know you do. And for you to help her, you see... We may have to be making statements that go against your interests, which means you, you might need to get a new lawyer for the time being.
6: I'm on Eleanor.
13: Well,
7: Eleanor is unavailable right now. I love Eleanor. She is in jail, Leonard. She's always
13: stuck by me.
7: Thank you. Okay, well, what I am trying to tell you is we won't be sticking by you.
6: I love Eleanor. Shut <laughs> up, a bitch.
11: I have no idea. Well, to say it again.: What's well, up, Michael Mugg?:
12: Think who could have stuck that knife in that drawer? Other...
2: And the residual checks keep come in, come in, come, come in, come in, come, come in, come in.:
0: Yeah. Well, he's I've doing great. Speech.
2: You better think George. You could afford a
0: better prosthetic you could have put nose. That if you in your me. medical
9: bag otherwise:
0: <laughs> Can now we all agree he does not snagged. have a prosthetic nose? This no, is I won't agree on the line now, not
13: just you. I know that. Why would I ever put a knife in her drawer? Or if I did give it to her, why would she even take it? Somebody's doing
0: something here. And you can't think of who it could possibly be? No. Those are all entirely fair George, questions. George, i show you this. If I ever because, wind- you know what? like, Beat why up? in God's do name, it. if he I've did do it, would he months. put the knife finally in I'll her hired drawer?
13: Two days ago. Two days ago. And what happens? In come the police to take me away again. Go ahead, Eugene. Beat the hell out of me. I need the money.
2: Let's 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 play that out a, a a hot second. Yeah. Let's say you're the murderer. Let's 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 stick with the assumptions. George is not the murderer. Okay. And you are the murderer. Okay. You attempted Hooray, to. Hooray! I love decapitating people. You attempted to people. frame him. I mean, pretty well. It's a pretty good attempt. You got a severed head into his medical bag into his car. Right. And he was acquitted still. Right. So, you, as the framer, have to assume that the police are still after the murderer.
0: I do. I do assume that.
2: And so, you now want to frame again. So, do you keep your frame on the same guy who just got acquitted, double jeopardy style, or do you try to frame somebody else?
0: That's a good question. Well, as the murderer, I'm thinking that. It's going to be difficult to frame somebody else because there's nobody else who had the same uh, opportunity that we know that he spent the night with her. And so he is the most obvious person. Also, I know that people think he did it already and he got he got off, but there's a lot of people out there who think he did it and just needed a little bit more evidence. And so it was a case that was uh, sort of on the razor's edge. Now, if I have the murder weapon and I can finish the frame, he's the logical person to do that with. However, uh, I would be kicking myself for not using the murder weapon as part of the frame. If I was really, like, if I'm going to go through all the trouble to decapitate a lady and frame this guy and put a head in a bag, wouldn't I... Follow through, put the head in the bag, and then put the murder weapon under his bed or something? Like, yeah, the that's error I see word. is that
2: I think you're safe once you attempt, you go through that big framing situation. And in doing the frame, you obviously open yourself up for getting caught, right? So once someone has been acquitted for the murder, like you said, that suspicion persists. So the police are probably less uh, vigorous in their pursuit of someone else. By- right. And they lost a case too. So they're pissed. Yeah. So by getting into, you'd have to break into the lawyer's office or worse yet, attend a party, be someone on the inside trying to continue this framing action. You're opening yourself up when you probably be best to just lay off entirely and you'll probably
0: still get away with it. So, yeah. Well, and if you're going to break, if you're going to, like, assuming this is not somebody we already know, they broke into the office to plant the murder weapon. Why wouldn't you plant it in Michael Monks's house? Right. Like, it, it feels... There's something fishy about this whole thing. And I have more questions about why they were so damn certain it was their murder weapon for this murder, because all they say is it the knife matches, and we're testing the blood. So we don't even know that the blood is hers. We don't have... No, there's no mention of fingerprints on the murder weapon itself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of assumptions happening here.
10: Case number 32632, Commonwealth versus Eleanor Frutt.
6: Bobby Dono for the defense, your honor, Wave reading, asks that this court dismiss all charges on the grounds- Dismiss, dismiss. It's Dickie Flood. getting up and asking me
13: to dismiss charges. What do I look like, hmm? Well, under the circumstances- I've I- already dismissed charges against this woman once today. That's all she gets. I don't just kick things here, especially in murder cases. Not dismissed. No, no, no.
6: Not dismissed. What do you mean, murder case?
13: Yes, it's murder. Your client is charged with first degree murder. If you didn't know that, what? why the hell did you waive reading? Wait. What's going on here?
1: Dickie
6: oh, Flood! Dickie. What is going on?
2: Talk to me, counselor. Never
6: don't mind. Look.
2: Don't. Now I'm mad. Let me just say. David thus far, he was like, how, how many ingredients can we throw into this gumbo? Get me every loose thread we've got.
0: It's all going in. We now appear to add to Eleanor's rap sheet for this one episode alone. She, she went from possession of drugs to concealing evidence to first degree murder, and we're 16 minutes in. What's next? Eleanor, you are charged with genocide. If we don't get a baby killing in this episode, I'm let down.
13: (laughs) All right. Next case. Give me something good. What the hell
2: is this? Why don't we find a room to talk? Oh, Dickie's got some info.
4: And a haircut. There's enough there. For a murder charge? Well, I'm not saying we're going to make, but we got to face a few facts here. She had a romantic relationship with this Vogelman. That was two years ago. Yeah, well, love's been known to smolder. Is this a joke? She's found with the murder weapon, and we all know Eleanor has a temper. We do know that.
2: What do you want, Richard?
4: Bogelman. She testifies that he gave her the knife. Well, maybe we can make things go easy on her.
6: First of all, I have no knowledge that he gave her the knife. Second, you can't get Bogelman. Double jeopardy.
4: Oh, we can't get him Third, on murder, but we can on concealment can't and perjury. not possibly be legal.
6: Third, this is blatant blackmail this is a settlement negotiation you're charging a lawyer with murder to get her client this is way over the line
4: we Bobby, need tony danza for this type of lawyer brother abuse. Of murder just to get your client off and you want to debate we where the do. line is
6: we're defense attorneys it's different discuss the offer with
4: eleanor and then get back to me <sighs>
6: I've
10: got the motion to suppress up for tomorrow. What, that, Judge? No, thank God, Judge
12: West.
6: How's George? Not good. They denied bail. For concealing evidence? And perjury,
12: obstruction of justice. They're on a mission, Bobby. They're out for him, and now they have the perfect chance. Clearly.
6: So you don't deny the affair?
8: No, I don't. Nor did I regret it until yesterday.
6: <laughs> Can you tell us how your relationship with Kevin Michaels began?
8: Our professional relationship began when I hired him out of law school to clerk for me. Our physical relationship began about four months later. It was a Friday night. We were going over a draft of a rather convoluted opinion regarding stock fraud. And, uh, well, I suppose one might say I seduced him.
0: One also might might say say you're out of focus. And your hair is
8: crazy as hell.
6: Can you be more specific?
8: Do I need to be? The basis of this lawsuit concerns what happened after he left my employ. We can all stipulate to the sexual affair.
6: We're on a fast course to settle this. I need to flush out some of the background before advising my client.
8: Trust me, I flushed out the background
2: before we got intimate. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
8: We were working side by side, going over this draft. That one's
2: got layers, Keith. Just marinated in it, or
8: something. I don't remember. Pass. That. And he inadvertently brushed my breast. He began to apologize profusely, and perhaps to dissipate his embarrassment, I said, "Don't be sorry. I rather enjoyed it."
2: Feel uncomfortable. What? Definitely. And that's What, what happened
8: next? Well, he just stared back at me. I'd obviously shocked him. But he had an expression almost as if he were titillated a little as well. And, oh, I don't know. Maybe because the hour was late and my senses were fried or or it was just the dare in me.
2: This is giving me the feeling said, of when you inadvertently watch a sex scene with your it's parents. not
8: the worst thing in life to be touched.
0: Definitely. Jimmy.
8: Side- <laughs> Jimmy's look. Sidebar. I'd like to
2: call sidebar. Yeah, okay. Yes, allow it. I'll allow it. This one time we were watching the premiere, the first episode, the pilot, you could say, of Orange is the New Black with my mom. We didn't know. Oh, right. We didn't know. The first 10 seconds. We didn't know. We just didn't know. And my mom didn't make a peep through the whole episode until the very end it was over. And she turned to uh, myself and my wife and said, what's
8: squirting? (laughs) And I reached out my hand. I touched him. And said, not so bad, is it? <laughs> and then, his and face. Then, uh, at the risk of sounding immodest, I gave him the best fellatio known to mankind. Sweep, <laughs> sweep, baby.
2: I, I'm just gonna need a minute. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Keith. There's the, a certain bumper I want you to play for me right now.
0: <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. Mike is thirsty. He's thirsty. And I gotta say, it's
2: the worst thirst of my life. I I don't like it. It doesn't feel right. This is
0: the thirstiest you've ever been? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a certain... You are... This is the <laughs> thirstiest you have ever been <laughs> no, no. in your entire life. <laughs> no, it's a type of thirst I'm uncomfortable with. It's the worst. It's the (laughs) thirst you've ever had, right here on this podcast. Oh man, Jimmy looks a little hot for teacher. No, I mean (laughs) the silence is amazing. Oh, his face is so good. I am
8: sorry to be so blunt, but I think we all know what can happen if you don't come clean. If only all
0: depositions could be this thorough. I mean, look couple of things happening here obviously the the parallels here if the genders would be would, were reversed it the would be the ninth, feel DNA much itchier than it does and thank god for holland taylor for oh, making yeah. that work
12: independent
6: counsel for now what if we need to argue he put the knife in here my money says we will let's just see how the suppression hearing goes on eleanor if we win there there won't be any conflict you all set
2: yep
6: you need any help in any research or? I'm fine. Lindsay, it's a good case to take. If a judge hires you, that's a nice feather.
10: It's under seal, Bobby. There's no more key value in this case. There was no reason to take it. Or was there?
6: Oh, Lindsay, please, come you on. You can't be Bobby,
12: jealous.
10: let me just concentrate on Eleanor's case right now, okay?
12: Lindsay is salty. Uh, your honor.
8: Am I early? Uh, No, uh, no, uh, we're set to go in about 20 minutes and Bobby wanted to go over some stuff. Do you perhaps have something I could just nip? Oh, hello. Man, she
2: rolled in Uh, and was like, give me food.
10: Could I get by?
8: Oh, (laughs) I'm sorry. I'll
6: be down as soon as I can.
2: She's forward. (laughs) Interesting shot of the back of the door there.
0: Yeah.
12: I don't mean to add pressure, but... We don't win this. Eleanor faces a long haul. I know. Do
10: you have any idea how that knife got there?
6: It had to be George.
0: Why? Why did it have to be George?
6: You You never showed him the letter.
0: Not before I sent it out.
8: I suppose I should have. This isn't about that letter, Bobby. You read it. It may not have been laced with superb. Jimmy is checking
0: her out hardcore hardcore right now. He
8: sure All is. It is. He's suing just for the privilege of these depositions. Oh, it's gross he gets as to hell! Be in the same room with me again. I don't think he's over me,
0: to tell you the truth. There are more subtle ways to check someone out, Jimmy.
8: Is everything okay? Fine.
2: I think my feeling is that the director was like, "Hey, we're going to catch some like some B shots of you checking her out, and you get caught, and it startles you." And so he was leering really heavily, so that they could get the get the footage. I don't think he thought they were gonna he was gonna be in frame for the full ninety <laughs> seconds of that. For,
0: well, and also, you know, again, we're back to nineties TV. So, like, people are watching us on their like tiny thirteen inch TV. Mm-hmm. You got to be pretty uh, straightforward with your takes sometimes. Yeah,
2: for those who aren't watching and are just listening, I will sum up Jimmy's uh, portrayal of that if you will.
1: <clears throat>
5: a-ooga, a-ooga. Jimmy, Jimmy is thirsty.
3: Thirsty. Ooga.
4: <laughs> That's pretty good they sound effect. No it's almost as good best. as your Obama. An warrant ah! required. It was a search incident ah! to an arrest. Warrantless searches as hold
11: on a second. Uh, I do not find this appropriate. Are you saying the arrest of Ms. Fra- well, we got another I will judge pass. invalid
10: on the night, we not know him. The
11: knife. On yes the indeed.
10: That case it's was our dismissed. old good. I understand, good but friend.
11: saying at the time the arrest Frank was made it was legally invalid. Frank Bernie. Yes, they knew those drugs weren't hers. The heroin was on her desk, counsel. There was no probable cause for an arrest.
10: They came in chasing somebody else for those drugs. He ran right to this desk. They see the drugs on top of the desk. They suddenly think they belong to her. Please. That insults everybody's intelligence,
11: which is why the case on the drugs was ultimately dismissed. But if the arrest was technically valid at the time, then so was the search that turned up the knife.
10: Even if you were to uphold the search as incident to a valid arrest, the area to be searched has to be within the control of the suspect.
4: Which this was. It was her desk.
10: She wasn't even in the building by the time you found the knife, so the desk couldn't be within her control.
4: The search began contemporaneously with the arrest. It continued after she left. It did not begin after she left. There's a difference, Your Honor. I can cite the cases.
10: None of those cases involved a pretext arrest, which this was. They knew the drugs weren't hers. They didn't have a good faith basis to make that arrest. Any search incident to that arrest is also lacking in good faith. It's a good good argument. Lizzie Dolst is great. To get George Vogelman, and everybody in this room knows
4: it. Objection! Make
10: your objection, but I'm putting this on the record. They charge her with murder, and they offer to drop everything if she would flip George Vogelman on concealment. He's the one they're after. The arrest of Eleanor Frutt is not only unethical, it is flat out immoral. I
4: completely reject that. We never offered to drop this, and any and all settlement discussions are inadmissible. She should be sanctioned for attempting to raise this in these proceedings. You're charging
10: her with homicide to, to coerce that testimony. She misrepresented yes, everything I said all in the context right. of our prior all right.
11: This is a great scene. I'll take all this under advisement. But a lot of good writing in this episode. I'll rule tomorrow.
10: Your Honor, I would ask that you release Miss Frutt on her own recognizance pending your decision.
11: I can live with that. O.R. Adjourn till tomorrow.
2: I'll say thus far around the halfway mark here. If you listen to the compendium we've been compiling of all these episodes you'll note that often when they try to shoehorn in a lot of cases i find it to be cumbersome feeling differently about this episode it's it's being deft, deftly handled
0: well there there's such a lot of density in the complexity of the cases and yet it's being told With a lot of clarity, very fast. So it's like, it doesn't feel overstuffed or confusing. It just feels like, wow, there's a lot to keep up with here, which I like. You know, in a lot of
2: procedurals, especially in this time period, they kept that sort of back exposition really light or overcomplicated so that, you know, they they could be, uh, all viewers could kind of know what was going on. But this is really for the audience
0: of this show. Yeah, and for people paying attention, I mean, the conversation about the uh, admissibility of that search, there was a lot of good points being made back and forth, and a very complex sort of uh, law there that even dum dumbs us could understand. Yeah,
2: when David respects and rewards the the audience of the show for watching, is when I think the show's at its best. Agreed. We're back to can go. Cry the Baby Leonard's sale, sale, sale. Thank sell.
0: you, God.
7: You're the only one to catch a break this week, Leonard. You know that heroin you bought? Lab results show it wasn't heroin. It was some brown confectionery or something. That's how gone you are, Leonard. Even the is. I can go
0: now? <laughs> to be fair, it was white. Right now. Good. Not a second too soon. I need a fix.
7: You know, I can't stop you from going to get your fix. But don't you ever come into our office again and bring that stuff. Eleanor Fred is in a lot of trouble right now because of you. His performance is
6: much
2: more subdued this
6: week. By your own admission, this affair was consistent. He's coming down.
9: Yes, but I feel that after it ended, uh, this letter was not a ringing endorsement. That was clear to anybody. who Jimmy Berluti, sitting next to Holland Taylor, not coming down. But it wasn't glowing. I think it's what she didn't say that was conspicuous. He's staying up.
2: Very, very up.
0: We should definitely talk about. Victim of harassment
2: guy who judged Holland Taylor made a, made a, made a, made a, made a very happy.
0: She made him happy. <clears throat> and that is Ken Marino. A three-time Emmy nominee for Children's Hospital was on Wanderlust, Veronica Mars, Drunk History, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He was one of the creators and writers of Wet Hot American Summer. Wow. He was also in Marry Me and Dawson's Creek. Ken Marino has had quite the uh, career since. And uh, also had a great cameo on Mark Marin's show. Maron. He's also in Wet Hot American Summer, isn't he?
2: Oh yeah. Oh, he's that guy. Yes, yes. He. I, yeah, I love that movie. God damn, that's a good movie.
0: And the subsequent series. That was a good series, also. I enjoyed it as well. Yeah, Ken Marino also has had his a age great career after this. No, but what? Well, I
9: don't think she had the opportunity to really know whether I was a good clerk or not. Then why is that? Well, once our personal relationship began, the only thing that transpired in her chambers was sex. Uh, over the last seven months, we All right, probably Jimmy, made of two to three times a day. Jesus. Sometimes four. four. Four times a day? Four times in one day? One day, I think we hit 11. She was Eleven?
6: <laughs> wow. Are you Good claiming Lord. that in any way it was against
9: your will? No. No, it was the most amazing. Keith. Is it possible that Mm -hmm. this
2: guy never slept with Judge Holland Taylor and that she paid him, that she concocted this whole thing just to get on record how great she is at sex?
0: Wow, for Bobby. That, I mean, the whole thing's under seal. Wow. That that would be amazing. (laughs) Oh, shit. But he does make a really good point there about he one of the things that was done wrong to him by having this relationship Mm. is that he she as the judge as his boss as the person whose career are in his er, 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 his career is in her hands among other things is that she was not able to really evaluate him and And this steps in the way of his interest in the career, which is, again, another reason why these types of relationships are inappropriate.
2: Yeah, it's almost like, uh, put yourself back 100 years, and you're a cobbler's apprentice, and you're going to work for free, basically, for the next six months to two years, learning how to make shoes from some guy. But all you did was have sex with the dude, so you never learned to make shoes,
0: and now you're a shitty cobbler. That's right, and... And even in that situation, that cobbler's giving you pretty shitty reviews to everyone else. When you start your own shop, no, totally. I mean, this this why this is inappropriate, and why where the genders reversed, this wouldn't be played for laughs as much as it is.
2: Did you appreciate my shoehorned analogy?
9: <laughs> <laughs> and if she uh, tried to seduce me again oh, today, I can't honestly it was honestly laced say say with terrible puns, succeed, knowing how. Look, my point is, is that... Though some
2: would say that his stint as clerk for Judge... What the hell is her name? Judge Kittleson. Was one wet, hot American summer.
9: (laughs) (laughs) What chance did I have to excel at being a clerk when all we did was...
6: Mr. Michaels, why did you ask her to write a recommendation in the first place?
9: It was probably a mistake. I just figured, I, I don't know. If a woman can't get enough of your penis, chances are she'll write a decent letter.
2: Um. And I'm out. Have a good week, everybody.
8: (laughs) Can we go off the record here a second?
2: I think everybody everybody should hear that again because David really wrote the line of
9: the episode. Of your penis, chances are
6: she'll ask her to write a recommendation in the first place. Here we go. Thesis mistake. Thesis sentence. I,
9: I don't know. If a woman can't get enough of your penis, chances are she'll
0: write a decent letter.
8: Um, can we go off the record here a second?
0: So Carney I want to know what is off the record in this case. Everything we've heard already, like, there's more? <laughs> Kevin,
8: I will write you a superlative recommendation right now. Make a call or two. I could get you a job in a second. How about I do that? Can we call off this lawsuit?
9: It's a little late. No,
8: Is it? it isn't. This isn't about you getting a job, Kevin. It's about getting me. Excuse me? You're obsessed with me. Does your lawyer oh, not boy. know that? You're sad. Am I? I could give you an erection from across the room. We both know that. <laughs>
0: That's the best ahead, line of the show. Go ahead, stand I'll
2: prove it. What is happening? I'll be getting aroused right now. There are many erect dicks in that office stand right up, now. Stand up, Kevin. <laughs> Jimmy what? is so confused. <laughs> oh, this scene is worth watching just to track Jimmy's face. Oh, my God. Jimmy's face. Michael Badalucco is giving you silent film acting for the gods right
0: now. He is killing it right now. Oh, my God. Hey, let's just go back on the record.
2: (laughs) Good line. The writing has been absolutely superfluous. Yeah.
0: Not superfluous. Superlative.
8: All rise. (laughs) It's been superfluous.
0: (laughs) Completely opposite. (laughs) This would have been so much better if it were silent and there was no dialogue.
11: Be seated.
0: That could be said for this podcast this week.
11: (laughs) (laughs) A man gets chased into an office, leads to a search, turns up a knife. Somebody somewhere has an idea as to what's going on here but it isn't me. The search of the desk drawer was valid. As far as the murder charge, possession of a weapon alone doesn't constitute probable cause, at least not to me under these circumstances. That count is dismissed. As far as the charges of concealing evidence and obstruction of justice, those counts stand. The defendant is bound over for trial personal recognizance. Will conference Tuesday 10 o'clock Adjourned. Yikes! Look at all those reporters. Do you
4: know who killed Susan
6: Robin, Hood?
5: Come
6: on, let us throw. Where did the knife come
5: from?
9: I'll just answer a few questions.
0: <laughs> Rough day for Eleanor.
2: All right, let's. A little sausage is made. Keep. question for you.
0: Yes. For your brother,
2: I'm sure you So here in this scene we had a tracking shot that followed the lawyers through the gal uh, through the hallways of the courtroom being tracked by a, a posse of press murmuring yes. and boom mics and all kinds of stuff. We then go to a secondary shot inside of the office where they take refuge mm-hmm. and yet we can still hear hear the murmur 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 of the press corps outside. Now, clearly, this was not all shot in one take. This is multiple takes. So, right. do either A, does the sound designer take some of that hubbub, 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 muffle it, and then put it into a track, and this is now filmed separately, and they just put in that crowd noise? Or do they have the extras of all those people murmur, murmur, murmuring every time they do this take inside
0: this office? Uh, I would think definitely... uh option A. Like, there's there's no way there are extras outside that door. In fact, I don't know what they ended up using there as a mixture of audio they recorded in that, you know, uh, when they were taping it, or whether it's Foley, um, but if either way, they probably recorded just a an, an whole extended, like, three or four minutes of murmuring, which they would then cut, you know, lay, layer over this scene separately.
2: And so there's some guy in a booth somewhere whose job it is to make all this sound uh, continuous. Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, probably unless they did record that audio live in the room, and then you know they'll they'll just because they're they're also going to record that sort of in the wild to get the room. Mm -hmm. So they probably just. You know, with the main actors gone, just had the extras rah, 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 for like three or four minutes, so they just had that to use.
6: Beat it, Eleanor. Every one of us. I would is imagine.
0: On it. Sean, correct me. If
6: we have to drop every other case to fight this, it's done. As of right now, George
12: Vogelman is the enemy. Why? Because one of the alternative defenses will have to be he planted
2: that knife. We have it's to plan possible. B him now.
5: No, it isn't.
6: Eleanor, look at me. Everyone. And this room stands ready to go to war for you. But you have to let us.
0: That was Foley in your real life, not <laughs> on the show. Right. Now, in order for jo- George Vogelman to
2: be this murderer, he would have to be the greatest actor of all time. I'm talking, uh... What was... What's, uh... Lo- uh larroquette's name in the show joey herrick you'd have to be joey herrick on
0: heroin Uh, on steroids (laughs) on heroin (laughs) (laughs) so like a sleepy joey herrick
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh god this is so bad
12: here's the deal george the police seem determined to put you on trial again for killing susan robin
6: but how can they
12: I was acquitted. Well, they're going to in-run double jeopardy with concealment, obstruction of justice, perjury. And relevant to proving the case, the question as to whether you committed murder would be played out again. And if you get convicted on perjury and concealment, the judge is going to take everything into consideration when he sentences you. What are you telling me? I'm telling you, you could be looking at 20 years.
0: Sucks to be George. This. What a nightmare. This isn't fair. No, it isn't. And it doesn't get better.
12: You need to get another attorney. Our firm withdraws. Your new lawyer can contact us, and we'll release the files.
2: Fuck. No bedside manner there. The least Eugene could have done was be somewhat compassionate. Oh, no!
0: Yeah, that was, uh, that's rough. That's, you know, poor George. All he did to deserve this was be sort of a dick to, uh, Eleanor about not wanting to Jimmy date him. my
6: office. Everybody else in the conference room,
0: your honor.
8: Oh, hello. I'm Roberta Kittleson. Lindsay Dole. Yes, I know. You have quite a reputation at the courthouse. So do you.
3: Oh, snap. Shit. You can go in. Excuse me.
0: Bobby. Looks like he has indigestion.
2: Yeah, he's in a he's in an issue here.
0: Pretty simple. 10,000
2: and a
6: better recommendation, and we close it today.
8: Why should I give him money? Because he's looking to
6: save face and it goes away now.
0: Because Marriage you aside, had an inappropriate relationship.
6: Public. Like, that's sexual harassment. Can I tell him yes.
0: I
8: suppose.
6: Great. I'll draft some papers, have you sign them. Bobby. And- Thank you. I'll be in touch.
2: Oh shit! Jimmy's left in there.
12: Now,
8: this is a really good result. We Put this out in a day. Good result. Yes, and thank you too, Jimmy. She's gonna make For a pass at Jimmy. Listen, you, no. Maybe you want to get a glass no! of
1: champagne
12: later. No. First of
8: victory. Ah! Well, would you like to do that?
2: Oh God.
8: Well, only if you. Would.
5: No, Jimmy. Sure. Good.
12: There are two possibilities: it's like Jimmy! George is or he's guilty.
5: If George
2: were guilty, why it's would like watching your little brother just make a stupid mistake.
0: Well, it, it, I mean, it is. I mean, it's it's adorable because it's Jimmy and in the situation. But like, let's flip it. Let's say it's Lucy asking out a fifty-year-old sexual harasser. Like that would be really icky,
2: yeah. It, but in this case, it's Jimmy continuing a pattern of behavior that he's established.
0: Uh, well, of asking out, he <laughs> he gotta get he takes big swings, he's definitely he puts himself out there because mm-hmm. remember when he asked out uh the Iranian Bobby's wife in real yep. life, yep, yep.
2: <laughs> Although was... in this case, I mean, look. Oh, God, I'm going to dig myself a hole here. But at least it's somebody who he's in the subsequent 24 hours has learned can have sex 11 times a day, can give you an erection across the room with just talking to you. I mean,
0: she's some sort of she's like the Avenger of
2: Cougars. If you're a a, a lonely middle aged man who's looking for sex.
0: No, I, I mean, and they're in, in the situation, they're both consenting adults. She is not his boss. Mm-hmm. She does not have power over... Obviously, she'll have to recu- recuse if he's in front of her. But, I mean, yeah, it, this is the... Re- if she wants... Like, this is the relationship she should be having. Well, you know what?
2: Let's actually... I want to look at it from a different angle, because we're just kind of talking about the sex part. As far as Judge Holland is concerned, clearly we know that Jimmy is not her type. She's into younger... More um, vigorously sexual men, apparently.
0: Right. So what is her angle here? You know what I'm saying? Well, and that, yeah, what is her angle? Is is this a in to get with Bobby? Or is she just like, eh, I got nothing better to do? I guess we're, my, my gut tells me we're going to find out. We just might.
5: Put the murder weapon in my drawer. What good does that do him? Well, if he's guilty,
12: Eleanor, we can forget what makes sense. He cut off a head.
5: Plus this could be some fixation thing
10: with you. What loner perhaps once in love with you you dumped him I mean, maybe when you first cut off the head he he brought it to you like a cat showing off a dead mouse. Oh, come
5: on Eleanor
10: if he's sick, he's sick.
6: But Why the knife in the drawer?
10: I don't know to keep things alive to keep a connection with Eleanor Maybe mm-hmm.
12: that doesn't seem obsessed like
10: obsessed people do crazy things Bobby. That's
6: Look, a
12: good point. That's all it's all interesting. It don't know George Morgan, Maybe but they date exactly your co-workers Nice guy delivering mail one day, walks into McDonald's the next. That isn't George. Then I mean, who, Eleanor? This doesn't make sense. Look,
5: we figured he was set up the first time. If somebody put a head in his medical bag, Rebecca's maybe they're putting doing something same thing together. the knife
6: If somebody wanted to frame George with a knife, it would have turned up before he was acquitted. So Great nonverbal acting. Mm-hmm. How stupid a, would that be? Half maybe of a they didn't second have a knife shot at
0: first. from Lisa they didn't Gay have Hamilton. It.
6: If he was set up with a head in the bag, it would have had to have been by the killer who would also have the knife.
10: This just doesn't make sense.
0: Rebecca.
7: It's the police. The knife turned up after the trial, and because of double jeopardy, the only way to make use of it was to plant it here and set up a perjury obstruction of justice charge. That's a bit of a reach. This trial embarrassed them, and just like Eugene and Helen said, there is a mission to get George. Wow, Rebecca. And I know how they did it.
9: Oh, shit. She figured it all out. I don't. I don't know what you're talking about.
7: Yes, you do, Leonard. Oh, Leonard. See, what didn't make sense, nobody buying heroin, especially someone so experienced as you, is going to walk off with sugar. The reason it was sugar is so the case against you would eventually get dropped, which you seem to see coming. Something that also confused me a little when I, when I went to your cell and said you could go. You weren't surprised. The police sent you running in there to drop that bag to allow them to search Eleanor's desk. When did they plant the knife? The knife was either planted then or sometime before.
5: Hmm. Leonard, is that what happened? The police sent you running into my office?
12: Leonard, you're not going to get arrested or prosecuted on this if you tell us the truth. I guarantee it. Police misconduct... Wait, time out.
2: Uh, I'm sorry, listeners. I have to... Was that ice cream truck sound on the episode or outside my window? I think it's outside your window. Hold on, I gotta... I'm sorry to go back 10 seconds, but that confuse. It was perfectly mixed. Perfectly mixed.
4: (laughs)
12: Leonard, you're not going to get arrested or processed... I'm
4: going back. There
0: is... Like street noise
7: to allow them to search Eleanor's desk where the knife was either planted then or sometime before. Leonard. Is that what happened? The police There's right children
0: playing office. and a dog barking. Subway?
12: Leonard, you're not gonna get arrested or prosecuted on this if you tell us the truth. I guarantee it. Police misconduct, coercion, trust me, they can't touch you. But if you don't tell us the truth. If you go along with the police trying to friend or a person who has been very good to you, a person who has been saving your ass for the last ten years, if you don't come clean, the work went down.
2: Okay, so the, the ice cream truck was definitely outside my window, but was off in the distance, so it mixed perfectly with the background noise. It's some remarkable
0: sound design. Like, yeah, it's really, really good Excellent, back there. really excellent sound design, which you never hear because you're not listening to the episode with like expensive headphones on. Uh, but I think we should also say, Rebecca is fucking Matlock. Yeah, that was like some Sherlock Holmes and bullshit. And she's and if you see the episode, she's standing there in this like black trench coat looking badass as anything as she Matlocks the fuck out of this episode. She was
2: like, you want to see how you win an MVL oopsie in the last six minutes of an episode? I'm about to show you, bitch.
0: Boom.
2: I will hurt you.
0: Whoa. Well, Eugene took they a dark caught turn. Me
12: with some stuff again. Said if I do
1: this, they let me go.
2: You know, pinning this on the police is not gonna be easy, and I imagine it's gonna take an episode or two to get this going. Yeah. I'm sorry, Eleanor. They're gonna need the help of Helen Gamble.
5: ADA. I'm
11: afraid of prison.
2: Well, Rebecca so saved far, a lot of people's asses there. So far it appears
12: to be limited there. to a select group of officers. We've arrested three uniforms and two lieutenants in forensics.
11: Where was
2: the... N- or we'll just bypass those episodes and go right and to the resolution. And go straight to
12: the consequences. I yeah. Found. It's unconfirmed, but the weapon was evidently found in an abandoned car. We don't know about who at this point.
10: After the Vogelman trial?
12: That's my understanding. I would like to stress, this does not represent the Boston Police Department. These officers are a disgrace to the force. Police Chief Sullivan will be conducting a press conference shortly to address this further. Thank you.
9: Can you release the name of...
0: Boom! Rebecca literally saved everyone's ass.
10: How could they be so brazen to think they wouldn't get caught?
12: They almost didn't.
0: I hope Rebecca got a raise. Right? Freaking deserves it. Oh, getting. Are we at the bar? Night shots of Boston. I guess we're at the so bar.
8: This was all staged to get a. Oh, we're at arrest. the dinner.
0: Figured they had a weak link in our chain
12: with Leonard.
8: How many officers involved?
12: Well, investigation is just starting, but so far they think five.
8: Unbelievable.
12: Yeah. Anyway, at least things ended well. Mm. Here's to your case. Yes.
8: Tell me, Jimmy. Out of focus. Do you typically toast victory with all your clients? Or did all that sex talk make you curious? (laughs) Keith, she's just badly
2: lit. Because when we we go to the other over the shoulder of Jimmy, who's better lit, he's in focus. As was just a shitty shot of her.
0: Yeah, but a couple of them in this episode. Yeah. Oh. I'm sorry.
8: You can be honest. Well, uh, just between you and
2: me. Oh, well, she's seducing Jimmy.
8: Which part of the testimony was your favorite? Oh
2: shit! Oh, she's touching his crotch. Well, his yep, yeah, yeah, his crotch.
8: Do you remember? My mind's a little blank at the moment.
2: I'm sure it is. This is genius. Preying on Jimmy, the weak link.
0: Yes, indeed. And we so just got talking. our second, the practice, dick grab. This one it's a little bit more. It's our season three
2: dick grab. This one seems to be tracking with the plot, though, so we'll allow it.
0: And a little more consensual.
10: Shortly after, hoping I'm sure he's been arrested for the last time. Asked for a comment, he politely declined. Poor guy. Of course he could still be guilty. Don't go there. Where's Bobby tonight? We're kind of fighting a little. Hmm, over his representing Judge Kittleson? Lindsay, she's 102 years old. She's 56. You think Bobby's attracted to her? Oh, well. Here he is. Kissy, kissy makeup time.
2: No, it's not Bobby. Who is it? Hey. It's
5: hey, Eleanor Front. Come on in. Hi. Hi. Wow. Someplace. Yeah, well, I make a lot of money. Hmm. <laughs> Listen, I never got a chance to thank you for defending me.
2: So I came to your I house to promotion. do so.
5: You okay? What's wrong? Nothing, nothing. It's, uh, when I think about why I practice law, my mind always goes to the little guy, you know? The Leonards, the people that I fight for. And after 10 years for him to just sell me out. Eleanor, he's a drug addict. No, 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 let me finish. I've been sitting home for the last two hours feeling sorry for myself thinking that nobody's loyal there's just no such thing as... and then my mind went to how all well of you stood up for me
2: ready Got to everything. go to war for you they said Keith i'd go to war for you buddy
5: i'm sorry i have to treated thanks. you lately
0: i'd cut a bitch i don't know about war but... thing yeah that's fair
5: has blinded me too. I don't know, to what it really means to have true partners.
2: I'm trying to think, how quickly would it take me to be like, don't know him, never met him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think you've already done that to me.
5: (laughs) I know I have them. I especially know you're one of them.
2: So maybe the end game means it's exactly that. We ended the Vogelman search, and we ended the petty dispute between these two.
0: Please.
2: Uh, that's all I came to say.
5: See it work, okay?
2: Both of them crying. It's gonna make oopsies
0: tough. Except. All right, we're going to fade to black, but I got to talk about that interaction there. I am so happy to see the apology moment. I'm happy to see that they uh, are friends again because I'm so sick and tired of that storyline. I'm happy about that. But if you noticed that scene, Eleanor apologized to Lindsay. Lindsay did not apologize to Eleanor and she fucking charged over a table and tried to strangle her.
2: Well, I mean, what's a little strangulation
0: between, betwixt friends? (laughs) I like that. Are we supposed to take, I, I wish I could text David E. Kelly right now. Like, are we to take from that, that are we supposed to like, as a character flaw, does Lindsay not apologize even when she should? Is that part of that? Or is his point of view that Eleanor was wronger than Lindsay in that situation and thus didn't owe the same apology because i i'm not sure what the show standpoint is on that because i wanted they both deserve an apology
2: well and usually apologies go that way right when two friends are making up after a fight or whatnot one person apologizes first and then the other person piggybacks on and does a caboose apology where you just feel like you know what let me make sure this is over by apologizing for and even when they don't feel they've done anything wrong you say oh well for anything i've done that hurt you i'm also sorry that's sort totally of a blanket. But we didn't get that from Lindsay, and it did definitely seem specifically written. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and like, you know, for anything I've done that might have bothered you, including charging over a table and assaulting you.
7: Yeah, you know. sorry
2: about the, the the fight last week where I tried to punch you over. Yeah, you're right. But you know what? Sometimes, Keith, you got to take the win. And we got, we got we made up. The fight is over, hopefully. So let's just take the win. Okay. And now it's time. Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie. The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike.
11: What the hell are the oops?
2: I think this week's Oopsie Award is not a golden fan, but a golden erection.
0: <laughs> no? Uh, Well, you're doing the Photoshop on that one. Yeah. I am handing that one off. It would
2: look like it would be make a good t-shirt. We are number no. one. Oh, that's not a number one.
0: No, but It's Jimmy's but it is erect golden. penis. You, you know what else would be golden on thoughts like that? Silence.
1: Most uh
2: how can it not be Rebecca? How could it not be Rebecca? She solved the murder uh somehow uh a a, a, a police conspiracy to frame Eleanor, to get back at her for embarrassing the police department for their prosecution of George Vogelman in less and than a scene. And to get George. And to get George.
0: So let's... And to get... Yeah, I mean, rebecca D. Matlock just crushed it and looked totally badass. Actually, the three of them look so badass in their black trench coats. Oh, yeah. So cool. So, uh, yeah, love it. Love that it's Rebecca. Congratulations... Rebecca D. Matlock for crushing that episode. It brings us to Already famous because you've been on TV, getting a page. Watch first entry on your IMDB. Way to go, and you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode.
2: We had so many returning guest actors this week. It was really a, a rogues gallery, if you will. And there are some great little scene-chewing scenes. Uh, what's the one judge? Paul Dooley. Yes, Paul did a great job. However, just like when Lara Kett stops by, when Holland Taylor's on the episode, it is hard to keep her away from all of the oopsies. Chewing those sceneries, stealing the oopsies without giving any consideration to her fellow guest stars, but... We have to go. <laughs> so rude. We have to go where the uh, erections take us, and <laughs> <laughs> clearly, this one's pointing directly to Holland Taylor as Judge oh, Kittleson. Oh no! It would be hard not
0: to pick her. Oh well, I know you've got one eye on her all, <laughs> all, all, all times. <laughs> oh, oh no! Uh, Uh, but yes, I I definitely, I look forward to Paul Dooley, uh, Dooley earning his oopsie, uh, in a later episode where he gets some more time or that doesn't have Holland Taylor in it. But yes, of course, Holland Taylor gets the oopsie for best guest actor, which brings us to... You killed your podiatrist of blue case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the
2: show. It's episodes like this that make it really tough. Every one of yeah. our main cast was firing on all cylinders and were... Uh, what's the word I'm looking... They had a nice uh backing wind with some great writing by David E. Kelly and team this week. So... It makes it very difficult. I, I could see an argument for each and every one of them, which which then usually asks the question, whose week was it? Whose show was it? Whose episode was it? That's tough here, too.
0: Yeah, because Cameron does such a good job. Um, obviously, you know, Michael has an amazing stuff to work with. You've got stuff from, uh, Ke- yeah, from pretty much
2: everybody. Kelly oh, Williams, ahead. Steve Harris, I think, has had the, probably the least to do this week
0: but he did have I'll Hurt You.
2: Yeah, which was great. Uh, I think...
0: uh, Who's it going to be?
2: I think my main two... I think the two performances that really kind of shined for me this week was a lot of great verbal and nonverbal acting by Lisa Gay Hamilton, but also... Right. I thought that uh, Cameron Cameron Mannheim had some great... I think Cameron and Lisa Gay are the two features for me. Uh, Okay.
0: You can only pick one. We're not splitting it three ways.
2: I'm going to give it to Lisa Gay Hamilton. Okay. Which is, I know, uh, there's a, there's plenty of argument against it, but I think it, that last 20 minutes, she really, she really won it over for me.
0: She was remarkably badass in that episode, for sure. Uh yeah. No, I agree with you. I, you know, I, I thought Cameron did excellent work. Um, as well, but I'm going to give it to Michael Badalucco, mm-hmm. because he was so entertaining and charming, and like he only says about three lines in the whole episode. So he tells the entire episode with his thirsty, thirsty face, uh, but it really, I think he does an excellent job. And so, you know, congr-
2: usually when Jimmy's doing his sort of thing, he's having to overcome some schlocky writing. But as we've seen in many episodes, when he's given good writing, or in this case, not really much at all, and is just allowed to tell be a storyteller, is when he yeah. really, really shines. So I think no, I, on a absolutely. week where he has uh, got a brand new movie ch- being boasted in the press, uh, he, he reminds us that he's been good since the beginning.
0: He has. Well, and there's so many uh, times where he's been sort of the creeper. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, God, Michael, what? Uh, not Michael. Not, not Michael at all. Jimmy, what are you doing? Uh, but Jimmy is really fun as a creep mm-hmm. as opposed to the creep-er. Uh, all right. So congratulations, Michael Bataluco and Lisa Gay Hamilton for your oopsies. Which brings us to the Tom Brady Award for being Tom
2: Brady. So this week, Keith, I would like to award the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady as we speculate, speculate, speculate to... You know, Tom Brady is such a star, Keith. Such Mm -hmm. a, a star. He needs to be under the big, bright lights. And nowhere else would you see such bright lights and such big stars for Tom Brady but in Dallas, where the latest speculation... Has put, put, potentially put him. So this week, I would like to give the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady to Cowboy Tom Brady.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. I actually h- hadn't heard that speculation. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you remember from last week, the winner was Tan Tom Brady. And I follow us on Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast because you can see uh, the Tan Tom Brady graphics I did. Which is ironic, because the day after I posted that, we got tan Donald Trump photos coming out with this absurd clown mask of his bra. Yeah, it's almost as if we started that meme. We did. Maybe we'll get a cowboy Donald Trump next Yes.
2: All right. So are you with me, cowboy? I can't wait to see you Instagram that one.
0: Oh, yeah. Congratulations, Cowboy Tom Brady, for your oopsie for Season 3, Episode 16, which brings us to... Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets.
2: It's absolutely incredible how bad I have to pee right now. Two, two cups of coffee in. I am going to make this beef. I loved the episode. You should not have told me that. When writing is this good and everybody's firing on all cylinders and the plot lines actually finish. uh, And uh, I I just think it was great. I'm going to give it eight spare tires.
0: All right. So you gave it eight tires. Uh, And yeah, no, I really liked this episode too. Um, And it even overcame some of the stuff I find a little icky, you know, Anytime you start getting into the sexual harassment world and I'm like how would we feel if this were reversed but I thought it was just so well written just a great snappy writing the story was interesting it brought back characters I liked it found an interesting way to bring back that storyline with jo- with the Vogelman case which we were all sort of like over by the time it came up uh so I'm actually I'm going to give this an 8.25 I believe the highest rating of this season. It's a was an excellent episode. Very much enjoyed it. So that brings us to like a eight point one
2: two ish. One two five, I imagine. Let's see what IMDb thought. Okay, they liked it a lot more than us. They went with eight point four, but that's set tracks.
0: That's not a lot more. That's a regular amount more. Uh, but really excellent episode of the practice. So uh, thanks for listening. To that shit show of a, let me tell you what didn't get eight point one two five tires: the episode of Out of Practice. Clearly, <laughs> we, we
2: do not we do not abide by sweeps week here on uh,
0: podcasts. No, we need to sweep us under the carpet because that was a shit show, but super fun anyway. Uh, if you'd like to tell us how many spare tires we lost. during this episode reach out at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com once again we're on Instagram on Facebook at outofpracticepodcast join the jury leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else if you've let us know about it and uh, find our blogspot at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. You can become a founding contributor like our good friend Leanne writes by uh, dropping us some cash on Anchor.fm or whatever the hell the PayPal, paypal. nonsense you made up slash o o p p s y. Oh, it is time for us all to move on with our lives. I've got a Bruins game to watch that we're was just playing, so I've got it all queued up. What a great day. Keith, slap shot yourself some laser sounds.
2: Laser sound